Every day we hoistle in at Pilots and Pictards Podcast. Welcome to the Pilots and Petards Podcast, the podcast with nothing much to do about aircrafts, but potentially everything to do with the first episodes of a filmic series. Disclaimer, petard is a word, a real word, and it's absolutely non-offensive. Look it up. Petards are bombs. Shakespeare what? If you prick us, do we not talk about television pilots? Yes. This is your co-host, Drew, the pragmatic cyclops of this podcast. And I'm Jimbo, the non-conforming existentialist co-hoister and Kenny of the podcast. Unfortunately, hoisters, the motherfucking magical Miss Mo master of pilots is out one more time. Hopefully she will return to us next week. But stepping in her place, we have Zan, who not only chose this episode, she's going to be our special guest. And would you like to introduce yourself, please? Sure. Hi, I'm Zan. I'm very excited that this is the first podcast I have ever been on. I am Drew's sister, and I'm going to be I'm going to have a hard time tonight or this afternoon being a objective hoister because I picked this episode because I love it so much. <laughs> All right. You know, you do your best. Yes. <laughs> well, listeners, we would like you to thank Fitzgerald Engineering for this ad free listening If you would like to sponsor one of our episodes so all of our listeners can have some ad-free listening, you can send us an email, contact us on our website or Twitter or wherever you can find us, and you can sponsor one of our shows. Join us today as we cast judgment and determine if the Breaking Bad spinoff Better Call Saul will be hoisted or not hoisted. That is the question. Uh, Zan, what is the reason that you chose Better Call Saul? So I really loved the producer and the executive team of Breaking Bad, but I just found Breaking Bad to be very dark for my personality. It's just a lot of anxiety producing episodes. But I think that if you watch episode eight, season two of Breaking Bad, the episode titled Better Call Saul, it's just one of the best episodes of the series. It includes humor and clever plotting and surprising elements. And I think the thing I like best about it that parallels um, Better Call Saul is just the excellent dialogue writing and execution of the dialogue. It's a, it's a complicated dialogue that uh, Bob Odenkirk just brilliantly delivers. Um, Spoilers so when they put it here. together, I just I love I love the the concept of the show, and I also love the production team um, of the show. All right, so Jimbo, you want to hit us with that two sentence summary for this pilot? Instead of starting at the climax like the Breaking Bad pilot, Uno, the pilot episode of Better Call Saul, starts at the end of Jimmy McGill's slash Saul Goodman's story in Nebraska. The pilot flashes back to 2002 to tell us how Jimmy becomes Saul. Stay tuned to find out if you should give a steaming pile of crap. <laughs> Do you want me to jump in with the three parts? Nah, Ooh. we'll just. Or, okay. I mean, well, you know, it is a three act. It is a three act pilot. It's true. You know, it, it'll it'll unfold. But um, yeah, yeah. Let's okay. Let's just move just for for time purposes. Zane, you were on a hot streak um, with some of the things that you <laughs> liked about um, the Saul character. So what are your high point or high points? 
I think the biggest high point for me is the fact that the show does no exposition. I think that that's one of the things that drives me nuts about pilot episodes when they just go super deep into why everyone exists. And this show literally does none of that. And I actually um, learned that part of the reason they were able to let the story unfold is in the way that they did is that they actually got a 10 episode series from the start so they didn't have to sell the show with the pilot like a lot of pilots have to do yeah i super agree um that was definitely one of my points was this pilot was just all showing and no telling and i think what made it fun too is i had not watched breaking bad at all um but Mm. i still you know i got it it was it was a cohesive story and the show just really trusted you to either connect dots or to decide what was important. And so I, I really like that about the storytelling of the show as well. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I could jump in on that as well. I watched maybe a season and a half of Breaking Bad. I did look up a bunch of the Easter eggs. And so I, I know there was mm-hmm. a decent amount throughout the show. But like you didn't need to know them. And they didn't take away from someone just stepping in and watching that show with fresh eyes as as I pretty much did as well. Also just visuals. There's... There's so many great right. visual scenes and and cool camera angles and it was I mean you I mean you could have almost watched that just as like a silent film. Yeah, I, I wrote about the the wide shot and the smoking scene in the parking deck. A, I don't think I've ever seen such a beautiful parking deck scene with the light, the way it was diagonally hitting them and how they had both sets of scenes with the trash can in the elevator vestibule. It was I just loved that scene. Well, the Breaking Bad pilot also had that amazing um, parking lot scene with Jesse and Heisenberg, you know, where just like New Mexico is the background in New yep. Mexico is the stars. So that's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Guys, how about how about a low point? This not, they're not too deep these low points, but who had one? <laughs> I would maybe even add that that this might be my hardest att- time trying to find a low point for this pilot episode. I could say um, the skaters like they seem like more of a ridiculous plot point to me, and I didn't find them funny. I, the The uh, actors are uh, comedians. But I didn't, and it actually that was the part of the pilot that broke my suspension of disbelief to to uh, get on mm-hmm. Drew's term, and so like that was that was the one part of the pilot that that distracted me from the story. But like trying to dissect it, I I'm I'm not sure if I would classify it as as a low point, just more like I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I I think one of the things that I noticed in watching this pilot is that um. When it originally aired, it had a two-episode air, so there was a Sunday-Monday night airing, and I think that helps get into the season. I think the pilot on its own could be perceived as a little bit slow, and you want to get to know all the parts that it introduces more, so I think it makes it a little bit hard to stand alone to a certain extent, but um, I think that's kind of grasping at straws for a low point, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, it, it stands on its own. Um, it definitely, I was definitely intrigued with the second episode. So I think, you know, Jimbo and I have like batted back and forth, like what is the essence of a pilot? And like for us, like mm-hmm. one third of it um, is like, do you want to watch the next episode? And like this show did a really good job being like, let's watch the next episode. Um, yeah. I would say that for a show that's supposed to be a comedy, um, it's kind of like that new, new kind of comedy, like the cringy comedy where like it's just kind of uncomfortable to watch and that. So, I personally didn't have a lot of belly laughs. Like maybe the two skaters were supposed to be the comic relief funny part. 
didn't really land with me. Uh, you know, to me, it was more interesting. Sorry, go ahead. Well, the interesting thing about that is that they actually, the producers went back and forth between whether it was going to be a comedy or a drama. And that's probably where you got that idea was that at one point, the idea was to have a 30 minute comedy with the Saul character Mm. being kind of this big, hilarious comedian character, which was Bob Odenkirk. But then I think they decided actually and, and made a pretty obviously clear distinction and made it into a drama. But I think this is the kind of drama that I love for that reason, because with a character or an actor like Bob Odenkirk carrying a drama, it just makes it more clever and funny, but it's not actually, I don't think it's billed as a comedy. I think it actually goes up in the Emmys as a drama. I had read the same thing in my pre recording research. Mm, Low point withdrawn. And, and I completely agree too. I don't, I didn't feel that that was a comedy at all at any point when I was watching it. Although I, I thought there were some pretty funny parts. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I could see why that would be a low point if you're thinking it was supposed to be a comedy, though. Because yeah. it definitely is not. <laughs> some parts of it were like the cringy, like, pathetic comedy that's, like, kind of in vogue right yeah. now. And I was like, ah. I mean, that's it's subjective, you know, but... Well, in the whole courtroom scene, I mean, that was laugh out loud funny, but <laughs> that, that was very funny to me. And then I was just like, where's and that was that early, was you know, that was early in the show. So I was like, that's MVP talk right there. More laughs, please. All right. Yeah, that's fair. Totally. <laughs> well, let me just say, because he's not an MVP, but Jim, Jimmy McGill, his character or even the actor. That's Bob Odenkirk. Just what a great performance. Like his just just the way that he explains everything and he gets so excited and he's not like telling jokes stand up but you can just tell like he's a really animated and it's more like situational humor versus telling yeah. jokes and it was i mean i thought i thought it was great and just the sheer amount of dialogue he carries i mean he probably says more than half of the words probably way more than half <laughs> He does too, but I really loved his nonverbal acting. Like every time he got to mess with his suit or his own physical appearance, he just conveyed um, frustration so well. You know, also like when he's going into his like shitty tiny office, like kind of sliding in. I think he had a lot of great nonverbal acting, but yeah, Jimbo, I definitely want to hop on that one. He was very strong. Well, and I thought about you, Drew, and. you talk in some of these episodes about the attention to detail. And I just feel like this episode, I feel like there is not a single component of it that is not a detail oriented moment. And so I feel like from that perspective, it's like just very high execution for a series television show. You're pushing the show up the quest for the best for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. I, I had I had watched the the pilot on the DVD and so I watched the the commentary as well. And I mean it was just like there was the producers were intentionally throwing in all sorts of stuff. I mean there's there's a lot yeah. to look at it for for someone that's interested in detail. Yeah, and television production. I just it's so interesting how much they could make happen. Yeah, it's climbing a ladder. I'm I'm thinking about it actively. So let's move on to our crab award. Hey girl. Hey crab man. This is such a fun award just in general, but I feel like in this episode we are going to get into it because there are so many amazing side actors in this episode. Well, you know, hold, 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 let me cut you off real quick. Yeah. So for our new listeners, the Crabman Award goes to usually a small role in the pilot that is just doing a lot with a little bit of screen time. 
Zane, you went three crabs deep. And you went you went crab man, crab woman, uh crab I know, lots of crab I know. people. So Mo would be proud of your representation. Lots of crab yeah, yeah. This this I, this was like a, a crab army in this. It was. This I think that's part of it too. They cast so well this this team of producers, but the prosecuting attorney I have to make the argument for first because <laughs> oh, he Dave? literally I think says nothing. Dave says nothing. And he does so much. With actually zero dialogue, which I just feel like has to be a first if he wins the crab man. That somebody has like actually no lines and win. Nope, done it. So I'm kind of pulling for him. But on the other hand, the Korean nail salon owner, when she tells him he can't drink the yeah, yeah. <laughs> after she like after she gives him shit for defending the the people who you know did whatever they did to the dead head. I mean, it was just that whole scene was just perfect, and she just said two things, and you just like die it's so funny she also waited she waited for him to get right there with the cup turning the knob <laughs> yes <laughs> just like mm, turning the screw it's amazing yep so good well un- unfortunately zan you only get one vote so you're gonna have to make a decision but you can wait you wait you, you can wait one, to hear I... us too but oh wait who, That's wait, okay, who's go your ahead, one go ahead. okay so go ahead so drew um i completely agree with zan mm-hmm. and i was a little disappointed that that Dave was already taken when I, you know, when I got to the, yeah. <laughs> when I got to the show notes. I know we got, we got a, we have an awesome guest. Um, you had our, your show notes filled in before the two of us. And that is very unusual and yes, awesome. That's a first. Yeah. That's, that's a, I wanted first. to win. <laughs> this is an audition. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Who was yours? Um, I really, really, really like that clerk who was just like sitting there doing her job and just listening to <laughs> listening to Odenkirk just yell and scream about the his check. That was a really yeah. funny. That was funny. That was funny as hell. That was a really understated performance too. Sorry, go ahead. The reason I disagree with that crab man is just that I feel like the sassy desk clerk is kind of a trope. It's like. There's a lot of shows that have like a, you know, hilarious person who doesn't let you have what you want behind the desk and they're sassy and funny. (laughs) So I feel like she was an excellent character, but that's a character you see, whereas the completely silent prosecuting attorney or Korean nail salon owner, those are extremely unique. I'll give you the prosecuting attorney. I would only say that that trope is grounded in reality, like so firmly that like it it makes the circle yeah, going true. around from stereotype back to reality to humor. So I would say if it was like a damaging stereotype <laughs> or like an unfair stereotype, I would ding it. But it's so real. And then also like she's just a really good foil for Odenkirk because like she's sitting there and like she's not even being like you want me to get my supervisor. She's like, you know, it'll happen. Like it's like the sloth from Zootopia, <laughs> the sloth of the, as the DMV agent. Have you guys seen that? Anyway, it's like so bad. It's true. It's so true and so bad. Oh yeah, and then like the comment she she uh, gives him like as he's walking away, you have yourself a nice <laughs> yeah, day. Like, yeah. That's just like <laughs> nail in the coffin. If this if this was another pilot, she could have easily won mm-hmm. a Crabman Award in most of our pilots. Oh yeah, but not this one. Hey, that's fair. What do you think, Jimbo? 
I think, yeah, my vote is for the prosecuting yeah, attorney. I just feel like his face and the way he like turns the video on. I mean, I just feel like yeah, everything he drags about- the TV yep. out and it's like slow, like <laughs> yeah. drag. And then he has, it's a VCR. So it's a press play on the VCR. It's, it's so funny. And it is so great. Good. I enjoy the VHS tape. Amazing. I like the little touches like that. I like anything that like pulls us <laughs> like Tori is so into Dawson's Creek because there's no cell phones. And so whenever I see like, I'm not going to call it a period piece. But like, whenever you go back in time, I yeah, love it. 2002, you were in college. VHS tapes were rampant. Oh, that's funny. I'll I'll go into that. I can get, I can get down with the prosecutor. All right. So All right. that is a unanimous decision for Dave, the prosecutor, going home Yay, for the Crabman Award. Woohoo! Crab noises. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> And so now, listeners, we're going to move into our MVP, and that is the most valuable part of this pilot episode. So why don't you hit us with yours on, Zan? <laughs> well, it's funny because I think when I was reading MVP, I thought it was most valuable player, oh, not most yeah. valuable part. Well, if, if, so... adjust, uh, adjust if accordingly. Like, you know, you can go last, you know, and you... And... <laughs> Well, I'll 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 uh, go with that interpretation of most valuable okay. player. And my most valuable player, I had two, and it was Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould. And Vince Gilligan is the creator and executive producer of Breaking Bad, and Peter Gould was a writer and producer on that show. But he was the guy who invented Saul Goodman in the second season of the series. And so Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan were the ones who during Breaking Bad's run were developing this show together and then developed the show together. And uh, P- Peter Gould wrote the episode and Vince Gilligan directed it. And I just think that the writing of the show and the artistic direction of the show are the most compelling elements and the most unique on television elements of the show and so i i think vince gilligan and peter gould are the mvps i yeah i i think that's a very respectable um use of your mvp and and i would piggyback off of the writing the dialogue that that could be the best dialogue that we've seen so far at least at least from my um standpoint as far as in our petard I guess we're episode 29. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that's the best dialogue or maybe tied with end of the effing world. It's just incredibly written and performed. So I feel like that's a tough combination where like I feel like with Dawson's Creek, I listened to that one you guys did. I think that the dialogue, the writing was good. I feel like they had to kind of start to own it eventually. They didn't really own it at first. I think it was a little awkwardly above their age writing where this is i feel like easily owned by an actor like bob odenkirk and a character like jimmy mcgill it's just amazing yeah i can get behind that because the thing is our phantom pilot like west wing has a lot of dense dialogue but it doesn't sound natural you know and so it's impressive and it's fun but i think you're right that um this show distinguishes itself by having like a lot of really natural dialogue that's still very entertaining. Like it might not necessarily be entertaining just like follow mm-hmm. one of us around for a day and listen to us, but I think they do a nice job fusing yep. that natural dialogue with interesting, compelling storytelling um to pull you in. So I would I would definitely agree with both with uh that MVP. The amazing thing too, and without getting into spoilers, I think Bob Odenkirk and the character Jimmy McGill do an incredible job getting into the season when they're put in difficult positions. He looks like he's making it up on the spot. 
the stories he tells in some cases in some cases he's he's practiced like in the courtroom you can tell he's in the bathroom practicing before he goes out there and you can tell that you know he's a lawyer who practices his lines but then in subsequent episodes the way that you can feel him trying to make up a story that is compelling to the listener is just it's you can just feel him doing it it's amazing you know i would say he's He's not that well prepared because he's not, he doesn't say the lines that he's practicing. He's literally like hoping to find something that's going to work. So I, so that's, so that's interesting how you kind of tried to give him like some props for, you know, like practicing his lines, but he's not really practicing. He's more like desperation, like hoping to find something. But that's the thing I love about him is that I think that he was going to lose. There was no way with that yeah. videotape oh, yeah. existing <laughs> yeah. that anybody could win. But man, did he give a pretty good effort for definitely losing. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is $700. This, and this transitions perfectly into my MVP. And my MVP is that videotape that gets played about the three defendants and just that whole scene the way the way it unfolds he's in the bathroom you can tell he's super stressed he comes out he gives that like spill and as and as a viewer you're like boys will be boys like that completely makes sense you're 19 years old why should you be punished for something when you're 19 when you know 19 year olds are stupid and then when the video plays, it's like, oh shit, they cut the head off of a off of a cadaver and then they fucked the neck or something. Yeah, I know. Just when yes. you're like, that's what made me think it was a comedy, because I was just like I was like I was like, that's that was awkward. hilarious. I was, was so laughing funny. out loud on that yeah. for sure. God, that was really funny. <laughs> oh man. And and you know, they did again, you know, that speaks to like the directing too, because like the angle, the face shots, like the amount that they showed of the video the the prosecutor's face throughout the entire thing too was just great because like it it all works better once you've seen that video you know like you go back and then everything is funnier everything has a different layer once you know that's in there it's true i think he said something in his speech that was like no living person was harmed in this situation and you like when you're listening to her the first time you're like why did he you know, focus on the. I did not catch that until you just said that just now. It just made it way the fuck funnier. It's so funny. I know. It's like you can tell that they planned that. Yeah, it's it's amazing. <laughs> what was yours, Drew? What was your MVP? I really, really, really keyed in on the scene where um, McGill goes and meets. Um, the dude with the mental illness in the house. His brother? Is it his father? Because it doesn't say. It's his It's his brother. It's his brother, it I don't think it even says that. Yeah, no exposition. No exposition. You, you got to read into well, this. I don't know, ones, man. He's man. older. He's a bit older. I didn't know if it was like an uncle. I didn't think. He's a bit older. I think at one point in the law office, when he goes to that nice law office into that conference room, I think think they might say it's his brother but i think you're right it, it, it's either really a passing comment or yeah not i like so how well. little was put into it i like the relationship between the two of them i like the matchbook conversation i just like how much is unsaid and how much is there for you to like kind of put together yourself even in this conversation we're having right here like the three of us from three different perspectives and three different lenses kind of put it together in different ways. And then Michael McKean's a really, really good actor. He's a really good comedic actor, but like the drama when like he raises his voice 
and how it like breaks up the scene. Um, that was that was the highest point for me of this pilot because it was so very real. Back to the back to that dialogue. Yeah, they do an amazing job of having different characters clearly have histories that they don't explain like we've talked about already but you it was palpable the the relationship that they had and the history they had and the fights they've recently had and things like that yeah the one chick i think her name is kim but he steals her cigarette takes (laughs) takes a puff off of it and then puts it back in her mouth like that Mm -hmm. obviously they know each other yes exactly i was like I think, Drew, to your point, though, that the relationship between the brothers is kind of the it's it's kind of the core of the show. And so I think it's cool that for you, it felt like such an important part of the first episode because it didn't do like it didn't have much to it. But it is kind of the crux of the entire show is their relationship. (laughs) Spoiler. Yeah. Spoiler. (laughs) That's okay. But yeah, I just I like that part so much because, I mean, And Zane, you talked about this even in the notes a little bit, but just like, you know, he's going to end up at the Cinnabon. There's just enough storytelling to let you know that that's his end game, you know? Um, And so it's so interesting to see where he starts because like he's throwing his name around. He's throwing his name around. Names are such an important part of the pilot. And then you know where he's going to end up. So, I mean, you know, he's going to be Saul. So I just thought that was so cool. Gene. That's another Gene. thing you missed. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy becomes Saul becomes nice. Gene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the cinema. Oh man, that was that was cool. Yep. I I can't believe that wasn't someone's MVP too. It's just like the black and white opening scene. It could have it could have been an MVP. That was so good, and the fact that he literally said in the pen up penultimate episode, I think of Breaking Bad. Best case scenario for me, I'm working at a Cinnabon in Omaha next month, you know? And so it's so funny that they just go straight there and just lean into the throwaway comment that he makes about what it would be like to have a better life than running from drug dealers who were going to kill him. <laughs> Barely, because he's, he's assuming that 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 beefed up young kid is going to kill him. <laughs> that was a good part that was like nice dramatic tension right there too yeah. right off the bat in this like weird scene and you're just like i don't know anything about this show but why yeah. is he freaked out you know okay well and also just the the disappointment that he has in working as at a cinnabon versus being a lawyer i mean at the end of the cinnabon scene he goes home and watches himself his commercials as a lawyer the and peak. so it's just yeah so he's obviously like both tense and nervous about people who might find him and really sad about his existence as being a cinnamon manager. All right, let's move on. So listeners, now we're going to tell you whether we are going to watch or rewatch this series based off of the pilot episode. Go ahead, Drew, lead, lead, lead us off. We, I mean, we are, you know, we already know where, where, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. I, yeah, I'm definitely going to watch the next episode and then kind of take it from there. Um, Zan's, Zan mentioned that Breaking Bad seemed like a little bit of a heavy emotional lift. This one seems not that much lighter. So um, I need to be in the right place for like a serious show. But I'm I'm between shows right now, so I'm open to it. I think the reason it's a good 
show to keep watching that's not as anxiety producing as Breaking Bad is that I feel like Breaking Bad's comic relief was Saul. Whereas this show, I feel like even in the most intense episode, I mean, even in the most intense moment, has some levity. And I just think that that's something that makes it so much better than like, like I'm watching Westworld and nothing against Westworld. But oh, it's Westworld seems like homework to me. And it's, ugh. yeah. So I just think that the kind of show that has the built-in comedy, even if it's a drama that's compelling over time, I just think that's so much more watchable. And you are waiting for the next season to come out. Oh, yeah. It comes out this fall. I've watched all three seasons so far. They're all on Netflix. <laughs> I'm not getting paid for my promotionals. My promotion. We are available for uh, promotional opportunities. We will work for money. <laughs> Pilots and Metarks yeah, is for that. sale. So I'm with Drew. <laughs> I'm kind of curious just to check out that second episode. To be honest, I don't see myself actually watching the series, but that second episode, I think I could, I think I'm really interested at least watching the first like 10 or 15 minutes of that. You got to watch the whole thing. Very, very short leash (laughs) for me. This show actually makes me want to go back and watch Breaking Bad more than the Breaking Bad pilot. That's actually what happened to me. I had watched the first season of Breaking Bad and the second half of the fifth season of Breaking Bad because I was kind of into the zeitgeist of it all. Like everyone was watching the second half of season five. So I just watched it. And then I got into Breaking Bad and it made me want to watch. I mean, sorry, I got into Better Call Saul and it made me want to watch Breaking Bad because I wanted to be with those characters again were the shows on concurrently no but breaking bad was on netflix okay. by the time i got into better call Saul. yeah okay well yeah zane you were loud and clear on that one and so jimbo you got do you have a, another segment to announce and now listeners the moment you've all been waiting for and i didn't <laughs> announce the last section properly to ho- hoist or not to hoist that is the question this is our final judgment and let's just let's just make it sh- simple either hoist or not hoist not hoist Zan? I'm an emphatic not hoist. And I can get behind both of those not hoist. This is a unanimous decision. <laughs> emphatic not hoist. All right. Should we should we quickly place this in, Drew, or should we? Yeah, we can place it in. Uh, we can place it in real quick because I've, I've been pushed high. Jimbo, my question is... For those of you new to the show and for our faithful hoisters... This is where we're going to place the pilot episode of Better Call Sal Uno into our running list of pilots that we've reviewed so far. So where is Sal going to go in the 29 episodes? Oh, our talk has really pushed this for me. Um, above or below Blackish is kind of where I'm looking. And that would place it one, two, three, four. It would place it either like uh, five or six out of 29. It's good showing. That's great. Out of all the Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I think it should be around around the shield. I feel like the shield had way higher highs for me as a viewer, but it had some much lower lows. So you wanted to be above shield? Well, I mean, as we started this episode, I was the question for me was above or below the shield. You guys really sold me. Um this is an excellent <laughs> pilot with a lot of great things going for it, including character work, um script, direction, yeah. Detail. So I mean, that was the thing. I started the show above or below the shield. Now I'm past the shield looking at Blackish. I just don't I think there's enough clunky parts of the shield that it doesn't hit, you know, the artistic heights that Better Call Saul does and like I did not expect that and you guys also kind of showed me that. 
Yeah, I would say the reason that I would maybe say I like the shield better is for the action and and the characters, not the artistic value. There's, I would say, probably no artistic value in the shield. I I would disagree because I do think that the shield did the very interesting thing of like using like the handheld um, kind of shaky. You pay an amateur cameraman to carry the camera around through action scenes. Come on, dude. (laughs) Yeah, it's an artistic choice. Pay some guy at the grocery store. Hey, man, you want to quit your job as cart boy and come and hold hold the camera for us for these action shots? <laughs> all right, then then I feel all right. Then I feel like I know where you're putting it, Jimbo. I still stand stand behind what what I said. Uh-huh. I think I like the characters in Shield a lot better than the characters in in Better Call Sal. So I'm not necessarily. I could see it going above or below, and I won't lose any, any sleep tonight. I would push for above just because I think that it's a tighter package. I can agree with that. The shield, we we retired the phrase convenient storytelling, I believe. I can't remember what it was, but um the shield's resolution was not satisfying. Um and we punched enough holes in it. So if you got the suspension of disbelief from the skaters in the beginning of the show, that's one thing, but like the entire ending of the shield um with like the child molester and stuff did not click. So All right. Let's then let's place it above the shield. All right. Woohoo, the new number yep. six. That's, yeah, man, you almost got the top five. I wasn't ah. ready to put it above Blackish. <laughs> I think Blackish just because it was so funny. Yeah, and the strength of Better Call Saul, like if we're saying that Better Call Saul is like a complete pilot, Blackish is also a very complete pilot. It's tight. Yeah. <laughs> so we're on the dangling threads of interest section, guys. And I think this actually comes as a nice segue out of your quest for the best and worst because i was realizing as i was looking at that list just now that breaking bad is number three and i think that one of the reasons this show doesn't reach the same acclaim that breaking bad did is that the chemistry teacher to meth kingpin is a kind of more ambitious story arc than low-paid kind of slimy lawyer to horrifyingly unethical and it for himself only lawyer um i mean if you just take out the cinnabon completely but i think that part of what I love about this and part of what I like in a good story is nuanced storytelling. I would much rather have a story that is unexpected and unusual and in its own realm. Um, Like you've never seen someone who is allergic to electricity in a show as a character, as a character point, you know, the types of things they put in this show are just super unique, but fit. So I think it's just interesting as a, a thread of this show that it, it gets nominated for as many Emmys as Breaking Bad did, but it doesn't really reach the same level of acclaim and, and following. Just to pig- piggyback off of that, I actually like Better Call Sal pilot better than Breaking Bad pilot. Mo and Drew definitely bumped up the Breaking Bad pilot a little higher than than maybe I would have. There's a lot more happening in the Breaking Bad pilot. It's kind of one of those pilots where it's like, whoa, what just happened in this pilot? But I do think that that's the difference between the shows, right? Like the the difference between the shows is that there's just more to becoming a Meth Kingpin fan. <laughs> I mean, I guess there is some action in Better Call Saul that does end up getting to the level of Breaking Bad. That's where it turns into that show. But I just think it's it's interesting to look at the the differences. I mean, I kind of want to reward Breaking Bad's ambition versus mm-hmm. Better Call Saul is telling a more a smaller, more nuanced story. I think what you're saying is like it potentially doesn't get told without Breaking Bad. Right, right. I'd rather reward things that try big and fail 
than necessarily things that go safe. That doesn't mean that Better Call Saul is safe mm -hmm. by any means. Yeah, I don't think that was safe at all. Yeah. No, um, they definitely trust the viewer a ton, which I enjoy. But I do mm -hmm. think that Breaking Bad is more ambitious and succeeds. You know, so like mm -hmm. we sometimes lament like original storytelling, but then we don't reward it or we don't follow it. Breaking Bad, I think, was original yeah. storytelling and people rewarded it. I, I'm happy that like that yeah. level of storytelling became like a cultural phenomenon. So where to go from here? Am I the only one that would just love to have a job at Cin at Cinnabon? <laughs> is that just me? The thing that's the thing that's amazing about that is that they actually did everything exactly as they would do if they worked there. Like they, the other people who are working in the Cinnabon actually work at that Cinnabon. It's an actual <laughs> Cinnabon, so it's just amazing that you know they they just go with it and are like, here's what it is to work at a Cinnabon. So I love that you are like, I want that job. <laughs> The easy life. You just you just go, you make your buns, you put them in the oven, you hand them to the people, and then you just go home. Yeah, it would. The smell. Might I was get about to me. say that. The smell. Oh, on the clothes. I've never actually been to a cin to a cin The smell would be in your hair. You have, you have smelled a cinnabon if you've walked into. I've a smelled mall, one, yeah. but like, Ever. yeah, I guess. And like that's mm -hmm. that's a cinnabon dispersed through like a ventilation Ugh. system, like being within the cinnabon. Yeah. I'm trying to think about the best food place to work to not deal with the constant smells. And maybe it's an ice cream parlor because it's kind of muted oh, and yeah. pleasant. But I feel like a lot of food places to work. I'm with you, Zan. Like, Though if they if they make their own waffle cones, you'd have, you'd have a little bit of a waffle cone smell happening there. But. I wouldn't mind smelling like burritos. <laughs> now you That's say that. on, man. Ten days yeah. from now, you know, you might feel differently. I doubt it. Jim, I think you should go work at a Cinnabon and report back. Yes, definitely. Manage the once, Cinnabon. Once, uh, <laughs> once Dr. Anomalous starts making those big bucks, I'll, you know, I'll report back to you. I'll let you know. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and so I guess I am the only one that wants an easy, meaningless job. Yep. <laughs> I will no. I want to work at a bookstore after I retire from being a teacher. That was a really fun, meaningless job I had when I was in grad school. Um, I started working at Barnes & Noble as like a gift wrapper during the holiday season and stayed on. Mm -hmm. It's cool, you know, it's it's nice to just kind of zone out and do a fun job. And like when you work at a bookstore, it's like your job to tell people what to read, which is fun. Yeah, actually, that's probably a little bit better than Cin Cinnabon, at least. No weird <laughs> smell either. Actually, it does have a smell. Books Bookstores smell nice. All right. What would you like to dangle, Drew? The interaction between like family members when you deal with like mental health or even just like aging um, because it's such like a sensitive inversion of power. When our relatives get older, it's hard to make um, that transition because, like, they're used to taking care of you. And it also seems like that was kind of why the relationship between Saul and the other guy was different. It seemed paternalistic, and it also seemed like there was an inversion of the relationship. Like, the brother mm -hmm. seemed like he had been in charge <laughs> and had been in control for such longer that his outburst was, like, difficult. So, um, I don't know. Like, that kind of strikes a chord with me as being like something that like kind of sticks out and you know i don't necessarily feel like a lot of shows cover it as well as i think better call saul did well and i think the thing that makes that scene even more poignant is that one of the kind of characteristics of saul in breaking bad when you just meet him is his complete self-interest and so i think when you get to that point of this show you're kind of learning about where jimmy 
came where Saul came from as Jimmy. And you you do actually, no matter what the money situation is, believe that Jimmy cares about his brother and wants what's best for him at this moment in the series. Yeah, I mean, definitely. He's he's about to go broke. His brother is about to go broke. And he's still showing like a level of respect to him as well, which which goes back to, to Drew's mm-hmm. comment. And then and then yep. eventually he, he does kind of bow down to his brother's wishes. And his brother even I felt like the matchbox was kind of him like holding something over his head as well. Like, dude, go out and make, make a name yep. for yourself. So definitely. He's- mm-hmm. It was very sibling sibling rivalry coming out in a way that was really subtle taking us back to that wonder years episode yeah yeah which actually that know, that right? might be our ne- <laughs> next dangling thread <laughs> so actually so, so since we are on that topic zan i now drew i want you to stay out of this one for for at least a few minutes zan what is what is the worst thing you yes. ever did to drew in your guys's childhood growing up and you can define whenever you consider your childhood and growing up together to to have kind of moved on to the next stage well Jimbo I did not punch him in the face that's good so I heard that you may have done something like that to your brother (laughs) what did I do gosh Drew I don't think you put something like that in the Wonder Years episode is there something you remember uh one thing that happened (laughs) was so hold on wait wait so hoisters for the record Zan can't think of anything bad she ever did to Drew. All right, go ahead, Drew. It's a good point. It's a good point. Well, okay, history it's two is right. History is written from the perspective of the victors. <laughs> there, you, there you go. So there's this one thing which I'm, it's either a family story or it actually happened, but my dad used to call it Magic Carpet Ride. And if I was watching TV in like the front room, he would like grab the blanket I was laying on and just like drag it back to our bedrooms. Uh-huh. And apparently Zan did that in our old house where there were some stairs or something. Oh and so God. I got dragged down some stairs. I was probably trying to make it fun. Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. And I, I would say it's the fact that both of you were too young to remember that, that's probably not counting. No, yeah, okay. I was the best. I bought you that beer, remember? You oh, did. And you left it in the shed. Yeah. That was nice. <laughs> I, I will say this. The the thing that Zan did that damaged me the most was not something she did on purpose. It was just Zan was a varsity athlete who was good at sports. And Zan was in lots of AP classes and did well in them. And uh, Zan got awards. And Zan was in, like, student government and stuff. And so, oh, Zan started a the Children's Cancer Support Club at our school, which did what it sounds like. It was very literal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, being Zan Garland's brother for... Yeah, 18 years, because then I went to a different college. <laughs> um, you were just good at all the things that were not as measured. You were like the funny one who got to be the talent show host. I would never have been the talent show host in in high school. You were just better at things that were not as trophied. I was very motivated by trophies, Drew. Uh, in middle school, however, Zan was Yenta in The Matchmaker really and. In uh, the school play, and then like three years later, I I was Curly, a non-named actor in Oklahoma, who opened who opened a scene. The things you remember, oh, but no, there man. there was not a lot of physical violence, Jimbo. That's good. Actually, I I kind of messed with Zan more because like I was like the little pesky brother who wanted to hang out with like older cool kids, <laughs> and then I was all I was also awkward socially, so Zan had way more friends too. 
you you bloomed in college, Drew. You blossomed yeah. in college. <laughs> Here we go. Your picture, your picture on the Pilots and Batards website, I feel like, is indicative of your younger years. It's why you're such a good. <laughs> it's why you're such a good middle school teacher. You can relate. I have a blown up. Actually, Zan, I can tell you this. I have a blown up picture <laughs> of the two of us um, in my classroom. And it says, like, Mr. G at age 13. And then at the bottom, it says, don't ask about my sister. (laughs) I made the poster and I made that sign because when I started teaching, I was 23 and I was teaching 14-year-olds. So on the very first day, I waited for a young man to um, ask about Zan. And I would, like, drop my professional demeanor and, like, get up on their desk and be like, hey, right now I'm your teacher and you're my student. But if you mess with my sister... Like that relationship changes, that's and so weird. I just wanted to appear crazy, like getting in a fight on the first day of prison. Like that's yeah, that's a that's a strategy. <laughs> and how many times have you actually gotten on top of a desk? I I did it a fair amount in North Carolina. Because uh, did you do the old captain of, my captain scene? <laughs> I told a student to call me that, and uh, she did for like a week, and it was the best week ever. Oh, that happened this year. <laughs> Thanks, oh, Tiana. Wow. It's a cool story. Right, so I have I have one more dangling thread. Okay. And this this has to do with the nineteen year old boys. So I can really relate with the boys being boys. So what just just in your opinion, what do you think for one for one, I couldn't actually find a a reference as to maybe what they would have gotten in you know, like a year or like thirty days in jail. So like I have the best I I think the university would have owned the cadaver, so they probably would have been like vandalizing property. Yeah. And so, for one, like, can you really go to jail for vandalizing property? Well, dude, I I just googled this. Desecration of a human corpse is a penalty. Okay, it's it's not a corpse; it's a cadaver. Uh, I feel like those it's things are the same. Was it in like a cadaver no. lab? It was. It wasn't like at a. Um. They were at school. Uh... Okay, so wait, this thing does say it does make a distinction as a corpse. Okay, this this makes it like the scene of a crime. Okay. <laughs> so never mind. They're not they're not they're not messing with a corpse at a crime scene. No. So I mean, it's definitely obviously it's I think it's vandalizing someone's property and just really disturbing more than actually a, you know, like a crime. But it, it might even be like a misdemeanor. So like so, but let's, but, but, but for the sake of like our, our discussion, let's just assume that it's a felony. Do you, do you think those 19 year old boys should get a felony for sawing off the cadaver's head? And banging it. And banging it. <laughs> I mean, we don't know they did that. It was implied in the I video. Plead, I plead no contest on the boys sentencing. I think it was an effective gimmick. <laughs> okay. It's a good gimmick. It, it was, it was bad legal strategy. He should have made a plea. Like yeah, that's a solid point. <laughs> but what is the plea? You don't, yeah. you don't put that video in front of a jury. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, plead guilty. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, what was his strategy? That was a bad idea. The, the strategy was to get that that prosecuting attorney to have the completely wordless, amazing scene. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. The boys will be boys. Oh, okay. Uh, well, let's well, let's just transition to the boys will be boys. Anyone? Any comments about that? It's very 2002. 
Well, and it just has its own special connotation now with the Me Too movement. I mean, I think that mm-hmm. there's been a lot about boys will be boys being not something that anyone should ever teach boys or say about boys because boys should not get away with things that you think are harmless that boys do because they're not. Or things that you think are harmful and you're just like, yeah, well, you know, that's – yeah, that's – that is shitty and like that's a weird thing they did. And also I kind of felt like those three boys were like – I mean, there's an element of white privilege, too, because I was like, why don't they have a better lawyer? Why do they have a public defender? You know, especially if they're just like dumb college kids, like I their mean, parents. Sure should they're in New about. Mexico, dude. They're in Albuquerque. So they're probably not well off. I could also imagine a scenario a in which college. their parents said to them, you're on your own. <laughs> then good, good for their parents. For not just saying Seriously. boys will be boys and getting a better lawyer. There right. we go. <laughs> Yeah, that judge seemed like he was getting ready to, like, hand down some, like, harsh New Mexico justice. Yeah, <laughs> which seems fair. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, you know, I kind of defend the, you know, the boys being boys, actually. I think you're at a young age still to be, you know, depending on the consequence. Now, if it's just, like, a misdemeanor and they have to do some community service, then, yeah, I mean, there should definitely be some type of, of holding them accountable but like, let's say it was like, for some reason, it was like a crazy, like 10 year sentence. And now they're going to go to prison and they're going to have to deal with, with prison population. And they're going to come out way more messed up than when they went in, you know, to that extreme other end, I can see that. I mean, I, I definitely did things not, I mean, not like that, <laughs> but I definitely did things that I, I could have been arrested for. And, you know, for sure. I mean, maybe I kind of knew better, but I also thought it was cool to get way too drunk so that you can't control yourself. So in that case, Eh, I you know I have some yeah. sympathy for like the boys being boys and just young people being really bad at making smart decisions. Well, I mean, you're kind of making a scenario to make them sympathetic. I am. If you couldn't find a law that says it's a felony, it's probably not a felony. It's probably not. No, no, no. So I mean, if they get punished, they're not going to get ten years. Actions have consequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and like those guys were dumb enough to get caught. So I mean, if the very least lesson they, they get is don't get themselves. caught. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. But this is 2002. There's there is no Facebook True. and MySpace haven't blown up. True. You know, it's not. They weren't going to upload that to YouTube or Snapchat. Still not a great idea to film yourself doing a crime. Really bad idea. Yeah, bad but they're idea. 19 years old. That's why. That's then. That's let's learn a lesson here. You know, let's not have them be like you know <laughs> shitty older people who are uploading you know yeah. their dumb videos to like Facebook. Like yeah, like quit fucking around with the camera. You know go to juvie or go pick up trash on the side of the road for five months yeah i could i i you know i would definitely support that you know okay all right so listeners so last week we we started our petard trivia okay so now we're going to continue this and zan i'm not sure drew probably didn't warn you did no, you? no. Not. Nope. what is this this is petard trivia okay Hosted by Jimbo. So, listeners, I'm going to ask a series of, of trivial questions to Zan and Drew. Okay. Sibling rivalry, big time here. Who can I win? <laughs> yes. Well, Drew is I'm, one the I'm undefeated. Defending oh, champion. Okay. He's, he's, he's never lost. Well, did you tell him all the answers first? No, that's, no, I did that's not. not cool. That's not, that's not what contest works. <laughs> all right. Let's do this. Last week I only prepared five questions, and it ended in a tie. This no, week I, I won. I won the tiebreaker. No, 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 no. I know we had we had to do a tiebreaker, yeah. but like my I had to go searching for a question like on the spot yes. because I wasn't prepared for for a tie. 
So I will give you the questions and I will explain the types of answers. It may be a best choice. It may be true and false. It may be give the best answer. Okay. It, there may even be a explanation or a philosophy question. Okay. So, so, so be prepared. Buzzer up. And mm. yeah, buzzer up. So uh, mm. Drew, what is, what is your buzzer? You want to do something like, uh, mm. okay. That's um, it's loud. Zan, do you have, do you have a cooler buzzer? Ding, ding. That is pretty cool. Yeah, we didn't do the petard art. Did we, did we skip that part? It's after the quiz. Oh, okay. I guess it's after the quiz. Got it. Okay. Question no, number How one. How many nice questions are going to be, Jimbo, false? to determine a winner? Five questions with a possible time. Okay, later. okay. All right. So, question number one. True or false? <laughs> the true or false questions are bad. In the accident scene with... When Jimmy hits the con artist skater, the actor yeah. Bob Odenkirk was really driving and hit a stuntman. Ding ding. Zan? Bob Odenkirk was really driving and hit a stuntman, so that is true. Unfortunately, that question is incorrect. Oh! <gasps> can I, I, can, I, I, can, I, can I guess? Driving. He was really driving. He, d- he, uh, the, but the, the breaking the window and the hitting the car was um, animated, uh, whatever graphics no. added in after CGI. Oh. Now, well, the, does, does she lose a point? Like, does she one, go negative one? No. The one where he get he hits the guy at the stop sign though is the stuntman. They talked about it on the podcast. Yes, yes. <laughs> the one where they run in where where they're trying to frame the old lady that was a stuntman. Yes, and he did it in that one shot. Guys, the next. Oh, that was, a tr- that was a tricky one, Jim. It was a tricky one. Okay. So, I don't think there should be true false ones in the future. Should should we stay away from true and false? Okay. That's probably good. All right, all right. <laughs> okay. All right. So, when Jimmy barges into the meeting at HHM, he says or you know, he has says he says a line that that I'm not going to read and then as he leaves, he says another line. And he says it in a voice something like this. And you will atone. And- What's the question? Well, Drew, you buzzed in before I finished, man. Yeah, you have to answer it. All right. All right. It's from the movie Network. That is the correct answer. Woo! Damn it. Nice. Yes. Which he gives the answer in the in in, in. so that's he so does. that's one point mm-hmm. for Drew. Zero points <laughs> for Zan. Okay, so now or negative one, depending on how you're scoring the game. Uh, it's, one it's, to, zero, it's one to zero. It's one to zero. Okay. Here's okay. here's a good one. All right. <laughs> During our favorite scene where they drag out the VCR, mm-hmm. there's a date on the vis- on the VCR tape, okay? Closest answer wins. Mm. What's your answer, Drew? Uh, February 23rd, 2002. Mine is uh, November 21st, 2001. Zan is the winner. It was uh, October thirteenth, two thousand one. Ah, your your answers after the show started. Yeah, that that was a bad answer. I didn't know when the show started. February of two thousand two. Shit. Yeah. Well, well March. February. There, there, there yeah. were several letters and several uh, dates throughout the show, and they were all they they, they were March first first week, oh, second oh. second week of March. Okay, so we are tied one one. Okay, this this is open to interpretation, so you have to convince me. You get twenty seconds. Okay. Okay. 
each or you each get 20, 20 seconds first one to buzz in gets gets to share theirs first i guess okay all right so when jimmy is entering the the um hhm building he has he's at the elevator and there is a trash bin and it has one dent in it where did the original dent in the trash bin come from ding ding go ahead Okay, I actually know what happened. Wow. He, were, he started, he used to work at HHM, and he started in the mailroom, and his brother was the partner, and he worked his way up to becoming a lawyer, and then his brother didn't let him become a lawyer at that law firm, and so he kicked the shit out of that thing the first time, and then this time he kicked it a few more times. Feels like some spoilers thrown yeah. in there, but I can throw my interpretation ahead, in. <laughs> okay, so Drew. Drew. Drew gets his own, his own rebuttal, and since... And it's open to interpretation, as I said. Go, Drew. I do very much believe that the last time there was an arbitration meeting about that scummy law firm taking advantage of his mentally ill brother, that they once again dicked him over and would not divest themselves of his clients and the money they wanted. So I believe that that, um, those dents came from the first time that Bob Odenkirk came in and tried to you know, save his brother and they fucked him over again. All right. Well, the point goes to Zan. Um, yes. regardless of whether that's true or not, hers was a lot better than yours, Drew. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> she went first. By the way, we shouldn't do true false with no penalties. It just incentivizes the person to buzz in. Yeah, but I didn't know that, so I buzzed in quicker. So <laughs> I know, just in the future. Well, in the future, we can um tackle that when we get to it. So we are uh, Zan just took the lead. Yes. All right. Typical trophies. Yep. Uh, I, was, I really wanted Drew to go undefeated too. Well, maybe you know, maybe he'll come back. The game's not the over, game's not- Jimbo. <laughs> yeah, you're bad at running this game. Okay, in the opening scene when Sal gets home, okay, so when Gene, when Gene gets home, he makes himself a drink. What was the drink, and what were the ingredients? Possible two points here. There were two alcohols, one of which was the Bombay gin, and the. Then the other alcohol, I don't remember, but then there was a lemon squeeze from one of the plastic lemon containers. So what's the name of the drink? Oh, the name of the actual cocktail? I don't know. The name of the drink? I don't know. Okay, well, it sounds like sounds like we have a potential still here, Drew. Uh, okay, so let's call that a uh, Jimmy and Tonic. How about that? Okay, what's in it? Uh, some gin, um, lemon, and <laughs> creme de menthe. Okay, Zan, and Zan, can you repeat your ingredients? There was a Bombay gin that was blue, and a squeezy plastic lemon, and then another white liquor, like a clear liquor. Okay, I'm going to have to give this one to Zan. Yeah. All right, yeah. So it uh, the the drink is a rusty nail, and it's a mix of Scottish whiskey, oh, drambuie, ah, drambuie with a uh. dash of lemon. So you only got one ingredient. Hey, that was better than you, yeah, you sir. Don't, you don't have to give me that one. We can go to the next one. Okay, we can say okay two one. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, yeah, there you yeah. Go. You guys there both you missed that one. I want to win fair. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that's this is this is a, a much a game of honor. <laughs> you gave Lu, you gave Lulu like two questions last he week. He was down, like, I think, like two two zero. All right, so <laughs> Better Call Sal aired Sunday night, February eighth, two thousand fifteen. 
Now, the question is going to be how many people tuned in to view Better Call Sal? But hold on. Before, uh, before anyone answers, I'm willing to give you a reference point if you want. No, no, no. Don't tell us like how many people watched another show. I think that makes okay. it too easy. Would you like to know the other shows that were on that night? No. No. Okay. Not if we're just guessing. So your answer your answer needs to. to be between, let's say, zero and 100, and the number is going to represent millions of people, and I will allow you to give to the 10th. And the closest answer wins. There is there is no um, going over. One point eight. One point eight. Okay. So Drew, this this uh pretty easy for you. I I know I know I, I could say one point seven. Um, <laughs> I kind of I kind of want to go with my gut. I don't want to I don't want to be like that that night not nice person on the on the showcase who goes right next to it because that person gets a dirty look. Okay. Yeah, that's mean. Um, I might, I will say 2.3. Nice. Drew gets that point. There was actually 6.88. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, better Good call job, Sal. TMC or AMC. Better call Sal came wow. on after the walking dead, which had like oh. ridiculous ratings, but this ah. was also the same night as the Grammys, which pulled in oh, almost 25 million viewers. That's crazy that it got a 6.8 that night. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it came on There's at 10 o'clock. way more people that It came on at it. 10 o'clock as well. That is that's impressive. Extremely impressive. Yes. Wow. Okay. So a lot, right. better, a lot of Breaking Bad people just yearning for the next. Definitely. Thing. Yeah. I mean, they got the Breaking <laughs> Bad bump, you know, and they got the Walking yep. Dead bump. You know, there's two bumps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people hate the Grammys. So you know. Yeah, people do hate the Grammys. I feel like it's the le- like the least loved of all the major award shows. All right. So this is perfect here. Um, Woo. Two to two. Tiebreaker. And this is going to be a philosophy question. Uh-oh. Ooh. Jimmy says money is the point. And Chuck says that money is besides the point. So my question to you is, is money besides the point? And go ahead, Drew. Right. You you have you have thirty seconds to answer. Sorry, go. Okay. Um Tolkien said it, not all, not all who wander are lost. His brother is trying to let him know that the journey is the treasure and not the money found at the end. His brother appears to have all the money in the world, and he is not happy. And, you know, based on the way Better Call Saul ends up, it doesn't sound like um, Saul ends up in that real happy place either. So philosophically speaking, it is the journey that we go on and our path, not the gold at the end of the rainbow. Boom. Zan. Well, I'm going to answer the question as a nostalgia point for Drew and my dad in that the answer to every question is money. If you ask a question about why an advertiser advertised during a certain show at a certain time, the answer is money. Money is quite possibly the answer to motivation of every type of thing that happens, particularly in America. So I feel like not only is it part of the reason the show is created is because this person goes from being a person who has feelings about others to a person who cares only about money, but also the answer to most questions in America is money. So money, in fact, is the point. Background, Zan is a professional fundraiser and she's very good at it. Zan, I raise money. <laughs> cavemen did not draw elephants on walls because of money. Art is not purely motivated by money. It is a byproduct. <laughs> Artists got to live, man. All right. So you are both out of time. And from my interpretation, it sounded like Drew's answer to the question was no. And sounded I, like 
Zans was certainly yes. And <laughs> Hoisters, I'm sorry. We have a new champion in town. Oh. Zan. Another trophy for winner. <laughs> Three to two. Ones. Oh, man, Drew. Just if you, if you would have answered correctly, you know, I would have loved to give it How much you. money were we making on this podcast, Jimbo? <laughs> I think I owe you like fifty six dollars. Yeah, that that <laughs> we're, argument we're might pretty have far in the red. That argument might have worked. Yep, <laughs> that's a good point. You just picked the wrong argument, Drew. Yeah, you were compelling. You're a good fundraiser. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we need a new member of of the Petard team. And so, hoisters, if, if you're still out there, you're still listening. Let us know what you think of Petard Trivia. This is our second installment. It will be back next week. And if everybody hates it, it'll be gone in like two or three weeks. But you got to let us know. If you like it, let us know as well. And if you have any ideas for questions, then that'll help us in future Petard Trivia. So let's hit up that Petard R. And Zan, you have a really cool one that you alluded to earlier, right? Yes, I did allude to my um, geeky insider podcast about Better Call Saul, and it actually started this this uh, editor. She's an Emmy award-winning editor, Kelly Dixon. She hosts this podcast, and she's been hosting it since, I think, season two of Breaking Bad. And the amazing thing about this podcast, not to say anything you know about podcasts that are not like this, um, is that the creator of both shows, Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould in this show, are on every episode. So they talk about the plot. They talk about the writing. They talk about other parts of producing television that you don't think about, but it's interesting to learn about. And I think the thing I like so much about the podcast is that Vince Gilligan just seems like a cool dude. Like he just loves to give other people credit. He loves to bring together the best people. He loves to pay attention to important details. He loves the craft of film and filming and just putting everything out there that's exciting and interesting about television and prestige television. And so anyway, I highly recommend, especially people who watched the episode and listened to this episode to then download the better call Saul insider podcast and listen to episode one. It's really, really a fun thing to listen to. Nice. I'm going to jump in there and I'm going to recommend Frasier, another (laughs) spinoff show about brothers. So yeah, that's interesting that the brother the brother thing came with both of them. <laughs> nice. That one hit me halfway through the podcast. So <laughs> I was just like, everything was telling me Frasier. And apparently the young people like Frasier now. So if you're listening to a podcast, you probably enjoy Frasier. You also have to watch the Bre- the Better Call Saul episode of Breaking Bad. I feel like it's a standalone episode. You don't have to know what's going on throughout the rest of the series. Like, don't work your way to season two, episode eight to watch it. Just watch it right now. It's awesome. Could I watch season two, episode eight, and then just watch season two, episode nine? If, like, Breaking Bad is a lot. Yeah, I mean, I didn't love seasons two through four. They were just super dark. Season one, I thought, was kind of groundbreaking season five i thought was just kind of compelling and just you were on the edge of your seat especially at the end but the middle ones are just i mean there's a part where a guy kills another guy with a box cutter it's just like dark stuff dark stuff (laughs) i also love jesse and he just really gets it he he is a hard hard life through those five years it's it's rough to watch what you got jimbo kind of running dry here i i don't i can't really think of anything there's part of me wants to say the informant with matt damon but i didn't like that that movie but like his like main character 
was kind of like Jimmy. He's like this ridiculous character that just is like pathological liar. He just cannot spin stop story. lying. Just, yeah, yeah, spin story after spin story. So I guess since I can't think of anything better, I guess I guess I'll go with the informant starring Matt Damon. It's also funny and it's an it's an action kind of drama movie. So I feel like I can kind of get behind that. I think the reason that it's hard to find a petardar on this is because it is such a unique show. There is nothing like it. That's why you should watch it. I almost went j- just with Dexter just to piss off Drew, but um <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with Dexter? Drew, I missed that Drew, one. Fucking Dexter comes up every episode of this podcast. He's jealous of Dexter. He's just, you know, he's You wish you could be a serial killer. I... Apparently are you directing that towards me or Jimbo? Um, <laughs> you. He said you. He said you were jealous. Yeah, man. Oh, ugh. Dexter's. Yeah, I. Jimbo just holds Dexter up. I. I do need to watch the pilot again because it's been. It's been a minute. I kind of agree with you that Dexter's not amazing. I feel like it's very one note. It's like I have no feelings. I have to think about how to feel. Like literally every episode. Yeah, I watched the first season <laughs> and then I listened to the first book and started listening to the second book. And oh, the books are absolutely terrible. Yeah, the books are super garbage. And then it always messed with me that he he like dates his sister in real life or whatever. Like. I know, yeah. You know, that messes with the suspension of disbelief. But I have heard great things about the John Lithgow season. So, Oh my god, that season is ridiculous. It's amazing. I watched all of Dexter. I just yeah, found so, that so it kind of got a little bit repetitively yeah. the same. Every they, they drained Dexter for every single thing it was worth, and then some. Yeah, but season four is definitely to watch that by itself, and it'd be worth it. Cool. Yeah, that's on your petard, Arjimbo. Season four, Dexter. <laughs> All right, listeners. And so next week, uh, we may or may not have Mo. We may or may not have Drew. It's what we do know is it will be Law and Order Special Victims Unit. And then the week after that, just just to get you an idea of what's coming up, after the the following week we will have Batman Beyond. Woo woo! And the week after that, yours truly, Dexter. Uh, <laughs> meh meh. And then the week after Dexter, so four weeks from now, we will be looking at the pilot for Lost. So we have yes, I'm monster. psyched to watch Lost. We have we have we have some monster oh. episodes coming up. You know what else should be on the Petardar? Just I'm sorry, Go you're moving into the final parts of the show, Let's but um, the new HBO show with uh, oh, Bill Barry. Hader. Yeah, you like that? Barry, it's the best, and it's similar. It's funny, but intense and drama and hilarious and it's just awesome to see a comic actor be like a real actor anyway you should definitely put put barry on your list but also i would i would put it in the list of the petardars i hear very cool things about barry it's amazing it's so funny maybe maybe uh jackson could write a an itunes review Ooh, that's true i should make him do that and then he could be a guest on the barry Nice. You guys got the mic. You got the mic. <laughs> we do have a good, you guys have a good mic. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so listeners, thanks if- for having me, you guys. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That was fun. And hoisters, if you can't tell by the music, the show is officially over. But if you love us as much as we love us, we're gonna stick around for a few more minutes. And we have a few plugs. Our official closing music is an instrumental track by Intheos. And our intro-outro music was mixed by Jake Drew. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram. You can join our Facebook group. And don't be afraid to follow 
our blog and participate in the pre-recording discussions. So far, we've had little participation in the pre-recording discussions. If you don't participate, it might not be there. So we are trying to be the podcast you want to hear in the world. So make your voices heard, we, and we will share those voices, and we will be the podcast you want to hear in the world. Come on, Jimmy Christ. Come back to the boards. Uh, Zan, have you jumped on the boards yet? They get wild. What's on the boards? I've, I've, I've gone to your website, but what are the boards? Just, are they on just your website? Comments. Just the comments you underneath, see, underneath yeah, the, the episodes. and Underneath each episode. Some of them get interesting. Uh, more so yeah, in some, some of our look earlier Look at the episodes. older ones. Yeah, look at some of the older ones. Yeah, give me, give me one to look at. Uh, uh, Dawson's Creek. Yeah, Dawson's Creek Dawson's went all over. <laughs> a good now, one. if you... If you if you take a look at our quest for the best, Drew, we we got a new comment today, and the person is saying that we need to remove um, into the effing world from our list because it's not really a pilot. Por qué? Well, he says um, because it was adapted from a graphic novel. It's it's short and it's more just the chopping of like a. Of like a movie, what? It's like a movie cut up. Yeah. Uh, X Men: The Animated Series is definitely from a graphic novel. Friday Night Lights is from pre-existing IP. I, I would disagree. A pilot's just a pilot's just the first episode of a series. I guess I guess part of his 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 argument was that it wasn't there wasn't a pilot as in like they filmed the whole thing at one time and it was short. No, dis- disagree. I mean, I also disagree. Um, I thought it was interesting. That's cool. Thanks, Jay Zacco. Yeah. Wow, these Dawson comments are pretty intense. Nice. See, it's fun. I know. Zero, zero, come back to the boards. If anyone's oh, still out here, I mean, you can see, you know, the type of fun we're having here at Pilots and, and Batards. Yeah, we are having some fun. And so, Zan, I want to... <laughs> Jimbo, Jimbo, you have commented the most. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Got it. What were you going to ask me, Drew? Not in a critical way, but some of your feedback has been based on length. Now you've been a guest. We've been doing this for an hour and 20 minutes, and this is a relatively short episode. It's longer than you think, you know, because you think you want to be fast and stuff, but it's hard, right? I know. I know. I did think we got through the first 30 minutes pretty quickly, though. Well, this is a new thing we're trying. a lot more toward the end. I like that, though. I like getting to the Same hoist here. or not to hoist within 30, just because I think it is hard. I used to commute a lot more, so I would have a lot of the time in the car, and now I walk to work, and so that's part of the reason I haven't listened to all your episodes, is that I don't really spend any time in the car, so I don't listen to podcasts as much. And Jimmy Christ has similar feedback. He he really likes our dangling threads. So he and he every time he listens to an episode, he tells me the same thing. Oh, I really like your guys' show, but the part I like the best is dangling threads. <laughs> it's like get there faster. Yeah, so I agree. I I think we can get through all the hoisting and the and the talking about the show in thirty minutes, and then and yeah, then talk about something else. I think it's the yeah. way to go. All right, but no, I was just like sitting here, and I was like, see, like it's hard. It's hard not to talk about those things, and. It is. That's true. But I do think a shorter show is the kind of thing I'm more likely to listen. Same here. I I wouldn't listen to us. It's too long. <laughs> I'm just being honest. <laughs> I know. That's hilarious. Oh, I mean, man. I do listen to us. I listen to us like five or six times because I edit every show. Yeah. But <laughs> I listen to us the day it comes out. Wow. 
The Breaking Bad comments are also kind of intense. Oh yeah, there's yeah, you know it's cool. You know, we lost there. steam a bit, but uh No. Oh well. That's it. How much engagement do you guys have? Do you know how many people listen? We have about uh fifty to hundred downloads for each episode. Oh, that's great. We do okay engagement. We get a lot of like tweets and retweets from like other indie podcasts because we support other indie podcasts. I'm not sure they actually leave yeah. people listening. Get it out there. Have you guys have you guys been enjoying doing this? Do you do it every week? We do. Yeah, we do. Um, we had a really interesting conversation where like we just kind of both asked each other like what we wanted to get out of the experience. And when Mo came on full time, we asked her too. And my thing was I just wanted to stick with something. I wanted to do it for a year at least. Oh, cool go off and do other things or like abandon other creative projects like I've done so um, it's very cool it's very consistent and then I told Jimbo via some text messages I think a couple of years down the line this is going to be a really interesting time capsule of our lives too totally you can make Eva listen to it <laughs> on her <laughs> holo earphones <laughs> oh yeah dude she's eight I'm going to encourage her to listen to at least one one episode the one where, where Drew says it's okay to, to start banging dudes whenever she feels old you know like she's ready you know that or girls. that that was in the seventh heaven episode, and you were asking me if I was gonna like completely warn her against boys and like do all these things, like scare tactic her. And no, she's gonna be an assertive young woman, and um, you know she's gonna be equipped with good decision making skills. And I'm not gonna like try and like shield her or like fear monger her into like doing what I want her to do. I will want her to make informed decisions. Solid for sure. Man, but if she asks me, I I will inform her that guys are dirtbags. How do you watch all these pilots? Because not all of them are on Netflix. Mm, Hulu and Netflix will take care of most. Hulu, of them. Netflix, Amazon, and them. then um, yeah, we we have had to illegally stream a couple of them. Yeah, Boy Meets World. I would kind of want to watch that's that. That's a fun one. episode. It's a good show. That's part of that's part of what I that's part of I want to usually watch the episode before I listen to the podcast. Yeah, that's that's kind of what a decent amount of our listeners have have said. And I think I think our, our most faithful listeners do watch mm-hmm. themselves before they listen, which kind of yeah. ruins the premise of our show. But it does help that you do the description at the beginning now, because I felt like at the beginning, if I would listen to one that I either didn't watch or hadn't watched in a long time. And then you started talking about the specifics of the show. I was like, what even happened? Fair. Yeah. So I think it's helpful when you give a little bit of context because otherwise it's like you have to watch it to really get in on the conversation. Well, I like podcasts. It's fun. Thanks for for coming on. It was really nice. Yeah. On short, super short notice. Yeah. True. (laughs) I was like, Zane will say yes really quickly or just be like, no. Yeah, it wouldn't have worked if it was tomorrow night. I'm going out tomorrow night. Mom and dad are watching woo, woo. Kid. And then, yeah, we're going to a show. So, had to be tonight. Thanks for making it work tonight. Thank you. Yeah, Thank, thank you, you a lot. Definitely. It was really nice. Yeah. Awesome. So, should we push? I'm good. Yeah, I think I'm good, man. We, you know, we got we got, uh, we got um, some some catchphrases, though, Zan. So, if you want to join us, um, every day I'm hoistling. Drew out. Every day we hoistling. Jimbo out. Every day we hoistling. Zan out.